This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Finally, Stranger Things has a release date. The Batman punches Commissioner Gordon in the face. And we are talking about Harry Potter years one through four with my wife, Brittany. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back. This is From a Certain Point of View. I am Josh. Adam. And? Brittany. <laughs> my wife, Brittany. She is uh, the local Harry Potter expert, so we have her on the show today because we are talking about Harry Potter years one through four. Um, yeah, and so that's what's going on. But what is going on with you guys? How are we all doing tonight? Good. It's a three-day weekend. Not for yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be normally for me either, but I told my boss I'm not coming to work tomorrow. <laughs> that's cool. That's a that's a thing you can do. Yeah, yeah that's, that's everybody uh, else does it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't normally either. <laughs> no, I, I got a regular old two day weekend here. There you go. So. Adam, what have you been watching this week? Do you have a recommendation for us? Um, yeah, I just kind of watched this one a little bit tonight, but I've watched it a lot before. So my wife and daughter sat down and they started watching, for some reason, I don't know why, the 2010 Alice in Wonderland. And I know that that movie hasn't been well-reviewed and a lot of people don't particularly love it. I actually really dug it, and I still like it. And uh, it's the... Tim Burton directed one with Johnny Depp as a Mad Hatter, and it's kind of a nice transition tonight because um, Alan Rickman has a role in that, as well as Absalom. Oh, okay. And uh, Helena. I just Helena Bottom Carter is, is mm -hmm. the uh, um, Queen of Hearts. Red Queen. Yep. Right. So it's just a couple Harry Potter connections there. Yep. Yep. Very true. So I always really liked it. I, I thought it was a really neat adaptation of the story. Uh, weird, but it's also supposed to be weird. But there's also some really mem memorable parts in it for me as well. So um, that's my recommendation for this week. I like it. I like the part of that where um, the Mad Hatter's like, Alice, you've lost your muchness. <laughs> and I'm like that always like really resonated. I always with me. liked the uh, you know, questions about you know have I gone crazy? Am I mad? And mm -hmm. the answers to both is to Alice and to the Hatter. Yes, but all the best people are. Yeah. I always thought that that was I always thought that was a cool quote. Agreed. Yeah, Brittany, I think you're next. Oh, um, so my recommendation for this week is the Gilded Age. So I was a big Downton Abbey fan, and they have, like, a new movie coming out, too. But, so if you like Downton Abbey, it's a good Americanized version. 
And it's really Americanized because <laughs> it's number one, not family friendly. There, It's on HBO Max, so okay. do not watch it with your children. There's a little bit of... Typical American smut, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's not... I wouldn't say it's as good as Downton Abbey, but it's a good Americanized version of it. Mm. I've enjoyed it so far. I think I'm four episodes or four episodes in. So. Cool. cool. Good. Thanks for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Ozark Season 4 Part 1 now that I am almost finished with it. Um you know, it, it picks up right where season three left off. And it, and really, the the major event that happened in season three that I won't say to not spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it really plays a role going into the fourth season and has a big impact on the characters. And the performances are still top notch. Um, the story is getting more and more interesting. And I, I guess the stakes just keep getting higher and higher as we reach the end of this series. Um, coming up with part two of season four. So I would highly recommend Ozark if you haven't watched it yet, especially, you know, seasons three and four so far have just been amazing. So that's my rec. Also not family friendly. Also not family friendly. <laughs> nope. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, I call those shows not suitable for Sydney. Yeah, that's when I have to watch when Sydney's asleep. <laughs> so... But yeah, you know, we have an exciting show for you today. Um, We have a lot of pretty cool news that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Harry Potter. We have a couple Harry Potter nerds in in the house tonight. And, um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of the films. We have, but, you know, you guys are really familiar with the novels as well. So I'm excited about that conversation. Um, But let's get into our one question to rule them all for this week, which relates to Harry Potter. So this week we asked you all out in the Twitterverse what you think of the the last four Harry Potter films, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hollows Parts 1 and 2. And the results for me were kind of surprising. Um, I didn't expect this particular movie to win the poll, but it Half-Blood Prince took it with 38.9%. And followed by actually Deathly Hollows Part 1 over Part 2 um, with 27.8. Then Deathly Hollows Part 2, Order of the Phoenix, was was last in the, in this particular poll. So what is your reaction to this, Adam and Brittany? What do, you, what do you think about these results? Are they dead wrong? I don't want to say it's dead wrong. Yeah, not what I would have I... went with, but... <laughs> I agree. I feel like Half-Blood Prince is so strong that it's like it's second in my book, but so close to first that it's like negligible, the difference. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised about part one. But yeah, I mean, I know my my two favorites in the back half of the Harry Potter series are actually Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows Part 2. So I, I was I thought it was cool that Half-Blood Prince made it won this just because, you know, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um but yeah, I was 
it'll be interesting to see we'll have our final four going into this week so we're going to ask this week um which is the best out of prisoner of azkaban goblet of fire which one were the two highest in the first round um half-blood prince and deathly hollows part one were the first two in the second round so we'll, we'll put that out there um if i had to pick out of these remaining options well, you shouldn't say anything now. No, this is what we, this vote. is. This is how we do it. This okay. is what we do. Don't come up in here as a, as a guest and try to mess with our system. <laughs> you don't reveal what you would do until it's over. So we're gonna we're gonna vote right now. Um, Dim the lights. And here we go. Um, so when it, when it comes to these options, and Prisoner of Azkaban is really close. But I have to go with Half Blood Prince. I second that motion. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's Prisoner. It's always Prisoner for me. I figured as much. Always Prisoner. I love Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. It's my favorite of the books. It's a favorite of the movies. And that's a movie we're going to talk about on today's show a little bit later. But uh, what do you guys think out there in our audience and on Twitter? We'll put this out to you guys as well. And I think it's time to hit the news. Every copy. Tomorrow morning, Spider-Man, page one, with a decent picture this time. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page seven. I make it page eight and give him 10% off. Okay. I make it 5%. That can't be done. Get out of here! So here we go, Adam. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been waiting way too long for a release date for Stranger Things Season 4, and we finally got it. Um... It's going to be, well, I guess it's being released in two parts. Mm-hmm. The, the first part, I mean, I feel like Netflix is doing this all of a sudden. Maybe they're finding that dropping everything at once isn't the best strategy. I think so. Um, I think so. But the first part of season four will be released on May 22nd, 27th, yes. and then the second half on July 1st. Um, so when I first saw this, Adam, I was kind of concerned... Because, you know, the the tease of it was um, every, was it every beginning every has end. an end or every, every end has a beginning? Every end has a beginning. Every, every ending has a beginning. So I thought maybe this was the last season we were going to get. I thought it was too, um, because actually earlier in their teasing for this, uh, some of the stuff had like, I forget exactly how they did it, but I think it was like 004 slash 004, like four out of four, like. You know, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. done. So that, to me, said that this was the last season, but I guess not. Yeah, cause, and I was like, whoa, wait a second. We're supposed to get five se- seasons out of this, Duffer Brothers. Come on. Um, so comingsoon.net, which is uh, <laughs> the sponsor of our, our news today, even though we don't get paid by them um, <laughs> or anything like that, but... They're, you know, they're saying additionally, a fifth season has been revealed to be in development that will end the popular series. So I, I was more relieved to hear that, um, that we would be getting a fifth season to, to end it. So Yeah, I saw that somewhere else, too, that they mm-hmm. had said it was renewed for a fifth season. Fifth and final. Yeah, so um, I'm excited. I'm wondering, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that there, parts one and two of this are being released so close together. I mean, it's just like a month apart. So, you know. Yeah, um, seems like... Maybe they just should have gone to weekly, you know? <laughs> um, we, 
but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's not something Netflix has ever really done. I don't think, uh, as far as weekly. Yeah, I mean, they, they did it with. Yeah, I mean, they not weekly. You mean? No, not weekly. Because they're doing the whole part one, part two thing with right. Ozark too. Right. And and maybe it's just to spread it out a little bit to build up the conversation and the anticipation and everything. I'm not sure. But. Yeah. Uh, I, I I honestly think it's a good strategy. Like I I like the if you're not gonna do weekly, then I think the two part is good. Uh, because you know for me it's nice to not have to worry about waking up the next morning that it comes out and seeing people that have stayed up all night to watch the whole thing and then just talk about it right away. So it's yeah. nice to not have to navigate that. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm kind of good with that. <laughs> Unless it's the summer, which this is coming up on the summer, but um, I don't really have a lot of time to completely binge a bunch of episodes in a row of, of a show, you know, so I, I kind of like to spread things out a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I, I guess this will at least put a gap in between the, you know, the two parts, so. Yeah. But also in Stranger Things news, we got some posters for this fourth season as well. Um so let's take a let's take a look at those. I think all of these posters are kind of like from behind, um, looking yeah. at the characters like walking towards something basically. Right. Um, so I think we had kind of eleven in that. It looked like eleven maybe in that hallway, um, in the first poster. Mm-hmm. Is that what you you guys are seeing too? Probably, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And it looks like the, it looks like it's in maybe even in Hawkins' lab or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, it looks like we're um, going back to Papa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get a look at what I'm assuming is like Russia, mm-hmm. a Russian prison with Hopper and um, and uh, why can't I think of her name? Winona Ryder's character. I don't remember her name. Yeah, either. it's escaping me right now. And then the other that other character who's kind of who's kind of like a conspiracy theorist and really likes vodka and I think he <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Um and then we what's the next one here? It's all the all, all the kids basically the kids. who are, are right. really growing up now. But they're in some creepy place. Yeah. It's like some kind some of creepy attic, attic or, or yeah. something. Yeah. Um Didn't we, I say it was like the it house when they first Yeah, it looks preview? similar to like the the it house. Yeah, from it. Mhm. And was there one more Adam? Yeah. So now it looks like maybe that's I'm having a hard time with this one. Maybe is it could it be like I think Will it might and be California because it's, it wasn't that where Cal- they were yeah. heading. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think of these posters? I think they're pretty cool looking. I like them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean Yeah, it's good. And it's a, it's an interesting angle to look at too so right i wonder because their like whole theme is like this 80s kind of thing i wonder mm-hmm. if these are similar to posters from the 80s it's a anyway. possibility definitely a possibility and you know i i think may may is going to be a huge month for mm-hmm. nerds i mean we we have dr strange and the multiverse of madness and Frodo. The dog is dog losing is his mind. <laughs> My dog's losing his mind over here. Um, but May's going to be a huge month. I mean, we, yeah. we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We have Kenobi coming out to mm-hmm. Disney+. Plus. We have Stranger Things 4 um, Part 1. 
coming to Netflix in May. So, wow. Very exciting. Indeed. I just hope when this will all hit like the week before we take our Disney vacation. So hopefully. Yeah. We'll be streaming service at the condo. I was thinking about that earlier because we'll be watching Kenobi part parts of it from Florida probably. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, But let's move on to the Batman. And let's talk about that PG-13 rating again. And we talked about this previously, but um, there was an interview with Matt Reeves. And he said that actually, um, in this interview was with Den of Geek, he said it was always meant to be PG-13. There was no R-rated cut or anything. Um, He said, in my mind, the movie was always going to be a gritty, edgy, noir, thrilling spectacle that was PG-13. That was always what it was, but I always knew that we'd be pushing the limits of what could be. And so we didn't really have to cut anything. Um, The promotional materials you're seeing, they're fully reflective of the tone of the movie. So it was always going to have that PG-13 rating, which to me makes sense because, again, we're talking about Batman and we're talking about box office and people being able to see it. Yep. You know, so. It's good news for me. I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Batman doesn't have to be R to be good. Where the Agreed. Nolan ones are? No. No, they were 13. No, they were They're... all 13. Yep. And really the only um, other thing that Batman has ever, as far as big screen stuff goes, uh, would be Justice League, and that wasn't even big, big screen. Yeah. So. The Snyder Cut, right? Yeah, the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. We also got a Batman clip, and um, in this clip, it's kind of interesting, and he was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and um, showed a clip of him actually punching Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> and I, I think it's kind of to, to throw the other officers off, maybe, or in, in that clip. Um, yeah. have, have you watched the clip, Adam? No, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm done. I, I mean, we're seeing this, what, like next week? Aren't yes. We? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we got so our... I'm pretty much done with looking at stuff as far okay. as like, clips okay. and stuff go. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it's, it's coming pretty quick. Yeah, so if if you guys out there want to check that out on your own, um, it starts at the seven thirty one mark um, on the Jimmy Kimmel J- Jimmy Kimmel interview with Robert Pattinson. Um, so I, I've been watching a lot of interviews with Robert Pattinson and kind of getting his take on Batman. It's been pretty interesting to get some of that behind yeah. the scenes stuff. And this I like some of the really stuff cool. he's talked about with you know possible sequels to this, and Matt Reeves has talked about it mm-hmm. uh, you know, as well. Um, Pattinson talked about Court of Owls, which I would love to see Court of Owls on the big screen. And uh, Reeves talked a little bit about possibly revisiting ter- um, um, uh, Mr. Freeze, which would be mm-hmm. great. I think Mr. Mm-hmm. Freeze has a mm-hmm. really great story, uh, tragic uh, kind of backstory to him. I think that would be great yeah. to see. Yeah, I'd like to see a different iteration of that than what we got. Um and I actually, I was watching an interview with Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson, and, and Zoe Kravitz said, you know, when she was when she was basically hired for the job, she was thinking, oh, I need to read, like, every comic book with Selena Kyle, Catwoman. But then she was like, Matt Reeves... That's a lot of homework. Actually, yeah, she was like, but <laughs> Matt Reeves actually pointed her in the direction of year one. Um, so uh, yeah, I happened yeah. to go on Amazon today, and I, <laughs> yeah, no, I that ordered f- year one. This feels and, very um, year yeah. one. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Before you can also we go watch your one. I believe it's on HBO Max. They did a nice animated re- rendition of it. So and check that out too. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Zoe Kravitz kind of has that perfect blend of Halle Berry and uh, 
Michelle Pfeiffer, I think. So mm-hmm. I could see that. Very excited for, yeah. for Zoe. I'm glad we're going to get a little bit of an advanced screening of, of that. So that's yeah, pretty exciting. Days, and cool. we'll get to do an early review mm-hmm. for you guys. So. All right. Well, let's move on here. We're going to talk next about um, a J.J. Abrams produced fourth Star Star Trek film with the full cast returning. Um, And that was announced by Abrams during Paramount's Investors Day presentation on February 15th. Um, You know, and and he won't be directing and everything, but it's going to be directed by Matt Shackman, who directed or who was was he did he direct? WandaVision or was the showrunner or something like that for WandaVision. Um, so we, we have some some other people that were behind WandaVision who are going to be behind uh, Star Trek 4. I'm excited. I really enjoyed um, this particular Star Trek trilogy with these characters, you know, with Zachary Quinto, with um, Chris Pine and, you know, all those all of those actors and actresses. Zoe yeah, me Saldana, too. Me too. Mm-hmm. You know. Agreed. I'm all about my Chris's. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get back into Star Trek again. Yeah, it felt like it didn't really wrap up with the third one, so it was kind of a bummer when things didn't work out so hot with Chris Pine and, you know, just kind of fell by the wayside, but I'm glad that it didn't die. So. Yeah, same here. Um, mm-hmm. All right, um, next up, we are talking about a little bit about the box office. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home actually passed Avatar this week to become the third That's highest so grossing cool. domestic film of all time. That is awesome. I love it. Um, so it is, it, it reached the milestone with 760.9 million and Avatar was at 760.5 million. Um, so now it's only behind the force awakens. Um, Imagine what this would have done without an end game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we do have to keep in mind that, um, this is with inflation, so the cost of tickets is higher, and and you have to take that into consideration. But it's still a a huge feat, especially when you consider the pandemic. That's also why I'm saying with you know even with a pandemic like mm-hmm. this with inflation, like you said, adjusted. I mean, it's it it would have it yeah. would have been above and beyond that. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So well, if you think about it too, like the cost of tickets between Avatar. And Endgame was different. Mm-hmm. So it's... Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know that you can really factor in... Like, to me, ticket prices for movies increase almost annually, at least around here. Yeah, yeah, so. this is true. But no, but I think... I, the I don't think it would be dominance. terribly different from, like, Endgame, though. No, no, no. No, no. it shouldn't be too different from I Endgame. I don't disagree so. about that. No matter how you, how you slice it, it, it was an amazing yeah. success mm-hmm. yeah. and I can't wait to watch it again. Like I I've been holding back on seeing it in the theater again, just because we've been seeing other things. And um, I wasn't sure if Sydney was ready to go see a, a three hour, almost three hour <laughs> Spider-Man right. movie. So, um, but you know, whenever it comes out, I'm, I'm buying this movie so I can watch it again. Mm-hmm. Speaking of buying it's movies still in the theater, this will transition. Well, a uh, bit, I bought Ghostbusters Afterlife for ten dollars yesterday. Wow! Wow! The, That's the, a steal. The four K, it's the uh, digital four K version on Vudu. Nice. Yeah, when I got mine a couple weeks ago, it was twenty bucks. So yeah, <laughs> you definitely made out on that deal. Yeah, I saw someone um, else but, bought it. So I went real quick, and it was still going on. So I was like, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great movie, and um, ten dollars easily. I'm glad this movie came out before this happened, um, because Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman passed away at the age of 75 this past week, which was really sad. Um, You know, it it was. uh, I think it was kind of unexpected. Um, he seemed to be in pretty good health and pretty good shape. All the stuff, you know, behind the scenes of the film and everything that I watched, like, you know, I, I didn't have any idea that there, there may have been an underlying health problem or something that I wasn't aware of, or I don't well, know, I, mean, I, don't, quote, I don't know the cause of death or anything. But, I mean, the quote from that article said that it was unexpected. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so just another celebrity uh or you know famous individual that's kind of passed away this this year already which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. but Indeed. yeah that is the sad news for the week um but like you said i'm glad he got to see what his son did with that because yeah 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 for sure because it really brought everything full circle yeah, and yeah. really tied a nice bow onto the whole ghostbuster series so yeah agree. and he taught his son a lot so his mm-hmm. He will live on. Yeah, afterlife. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure that made him proud to see what happened with that movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the next or last two news items here, we're going to talk about. Um, these were shown during the Super Bowl, and uh, we we had the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, um, kind of teaser trailer. I was I was very excited to see. I was not expecting to see this during the Super Bowl. So oh, when really? it popped no, up, it was coming. I didn't know it was coming. So when it yeah. popped up on the screen um, during the Super Bowl, I was so excited. I was like, man, I, I'm such a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. And and you can really see, again, the New Zealand um, landscapes and everything like that, which looks beautiful. It really looks pretty epic. Um, you know, the one thing that Brittany pointed out while we were watching it was just right here in this shot with the um, very CGI-looking, I don't know if that's Galadriel or... That's Galadriel. Or who, yeah. yeah, Galadriel. Um that was kind of jarring and, and some of the stuff to, I, I just I don't want them to see I don't want to see them overusing the CGI and everything and um you know that's my only kind of thing I'm nervous about. Um but I'm I'm willing to give this show a chance and I wanna be excited about it. But I know Adam, you have some concerns about it deviating from the source material and Yeah, and stuff a little like bit. That. I mean I uh with a little bit of separation of time, I guess I'm 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 not terrible. I'm not as against it right now, but there is definitely some things in this that kind of gave me uh, cause for concern. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Definitely the Vanity Fair article, you know, probably more so than the trailer. You know, like I said, it was nice to get some of the practical shots in New Zealand. I did feel a little bit kind of detached from some of the rest of it like some some of the rest of it just felt kind of generic uh generic fantasy to me which is Mm -hmm. a little concerning and some of that was the cgi that you mentioned uh i'm worried about some of these new characters that we're developing yeah i i I go back to you know thinking of tariel and how just that just didn't work you know with what they tried Mm -hmm. to do with her and Mm -hmm. and the love story there i just it just didn't work for me and now it feels like we're kind of doing it again and that's concerning i even i even felt having legolas in the hobbit 
as much as they did kind of actually bothered me too, even though I love that legless character, but, but just the, even, but even in the Hobbit, you know, those characters you mentioned, um, Tariel, um, the CGI, just having a lot of CGI and everything bothered me. Um, so yeah, I don't, I hope we don't see, uh, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I, I'm I'm nervous in this. I mean, the thing is, like, it might be something that I enjoy, even if I don't think it's necessarily Tolkien. It might still be good fantasy, just not really along those Tolkien lines that I think of, even with Peter Jackson stuff. And it, and to be clear, Peter Jackson made some changes to it, but I think the changes mm-hmm. he made kind of fit. And I'm a little worried about some of the changes. I mean, we're, they've talked about condensing the timeline, uh, which. You know, like I said before, I think a, a couple weeks ago, Peter Jackson did also, but it just, I don't know, some of it just feels like it could be unnecessary, and we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. We'll I don't have yeah. I don't have terribly high hopes for it, I don't think, but I'm definitely still willing to give it a chance, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with it was, like, half of it looked like a video game. Yeah, I can see that. I was like, is this I, a Lord of the Rings video game? I agree, mm-hmm. and, like... Like, I knew it was coming, so when it hit, I was like, is this the Lord of the Rings? And then as I watched it through, it's like I didn't feel much, you know? Yeah. And it, I it kind of felt detached from it. It just didn't feel like Lord of the Rings usually feels mm-hmm. for me, so. Yeah. We'll see. I'm just hoping, like, I had the same reaction to this trailer that I had to the live-action Aladdin trailer with Genie. Okay. And I'm, but then, like, watching Aladdin... I think that they heard our complaints about Genie and they fixed it. So I'm hoping (laughs) Mm -hmm. that more people felt this way about this trailer and that in the end, when you actually see the finished product, it's a lot more refined than it looks in this. Like maybe they rushed this preview. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope you're right about that. They've been working on this for a long time, and mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. they have been very tight-lipped about a lot of things. I mean, I think they had, to, but the, the other, on the other hand, though, with that, you know, having all that time, there wasn't much in this trailer. You know, this was right. more of like a, a, a more a of teaser. like a hype reel type thing. There yeah. was really nothing revealed as far as story. The characters are revealed. You know, Elrond was there, Galadriel was there, Gogalad was there. Mm-hmm. So those characters are, are, are showing up. Um, and then the Vanity Fair article dove deeper into some of those. So we still don't know a lot of what's happening with this. So maybe once we get some more idea of what the story is actually going to be like, and, you know, is Sauron part of this? I would, I would hope so, because you know, we're talking about the Rings of Power, so I would imagine that he has mm-hmm. to be. Um, yeah. Didn't see anything of him. Saw the weird meteor guy thing. Um, mm-hmm. Which, that concerns me a little bit. I think they might be <laughs> kind of going with a Gandalf or a wizard there, which is... Eh. <laughs> Look like it, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but we'll see what they actually do. But, um... So there's things to be concerned about for me, definitely. But then, you know, we can also wait and see what's actually going on here. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. So. We won't write it off just yet. Yep. I'm with you guys. Um, last up, we also had the... And, oh, uh, by debut. the way, sorry. Uh, before we, That's okay. I just want to mention I was on uh, the Science Fictionary podcast on Friday evening. 
uh, talking mm-hmm. about that, and we really dove deep into it. So um, for anyone cool. out there that wants to hear more of our thoughts on that, uh, check out the Science Fictionary podcast. I'll have to check that out. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. And um, last but not least, the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness trailer also debuted during the Super Bowl, and it is going to release on May 6th. And um, pretty exciting trailer. I mean, it was pretty wild. Uh, there, there's a lot, a lot of crazy stuff going on it. in this trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. You didn't watch it. All right. I was trying um, to stay away because right. I saw it. Like, I missed it when the Super Bowl was on, and then I saw some stuff mm-hmm. on Twitter about how it was kind of spoilery, and I was trying to stay away from it. I already know about it, Professor X. So, uh, it was kind of yeah, hard to stay away yeah. from that. But um, So I ended up not watching it just because I didn't want to see anything else beyond what I already mm-hmm found out so yeah i mean patrick stewart is in the trailer i don't know what that means all we know i don't know what that means exactly but you can certainly <laughs> speculate yeah. on what that might could probably mean um how old is he now i mean i imagine he's getting up there but there was a just a, this this trailer was just packed with crazy multiverse stuff and he's but 81, i like by the way yeah he's 81, 81 okay but I liked also how this trailer really, really leans into the the Wanda character too, and what's going on with her after we saw her in WandaVision. and um, you know I think she's going to play a really big part in this, which I'm excited mm-hmm. for. And um, yeah, so I'm, you know, I I feel like it's been so long since we've had a Doctor Strange standalone movie, and I really liked the first one, so I'm really looking forward to this. Honestly, I think the Professor X is kind of a Peter Parker situation in No Way Home. Yeah, know, I mean, when, I, I, when, when it comes I, I, I to don't the even know if it's going to be you can do whatever. You know? Yeah, I don't even know if it's going to be that deep. Like, I, I like, I think I would say probably Toby and Andrew had more of a role in No Way Home than I think Professor X will have in this. Oh yeah, I I agree. I yeah, agree. maybe they just are using that to kind of pull people in because I honestly was not a fan of Doctor Strange at all. Huh. See, I think. Even, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was going to say, even after watching it like four times, I cannot get into it. Fair enough. Like, I don't even think that this is the start of the MCU's X-Men, to be honest. I think that this is an appearance, you know, because of the multiverse thing. Uh, yeah, I was going to say... Kind of yeah. legitimizing Fox's X-Men movies, uh, but I don't think it's the actual start of X-Men in, in mm-hmm. the MCU, so... Yeah, I was wondering about that, because... Although know, I think you, that's coming... Knew, yeah, at some point they were going to pop up. So yeah, um, yeah. But are you guys ready to talk about Harry Potter years one through four? Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Okay, so um. Let's see. Let's talk about the Harry Potter films. I mean, these make up one of the greatest movie franchises of all time, arguably, um, based on the novels written by J.K. Rowling. And this series began way back in 2001 um, with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and then ended in 2011 with Deathly Hallows Part 2, at least as far as the Harry Potter films go. And, um, of course, another series of films with uh, the Fantastic Beast title got started after that. Um, but in total, these eight films have grossed $7.7 billion worldwide, making it the fourth highest grossing film series of all time. 
And not only has this franchise succeeded financially, um, but critically as well. On Rotten Tomatoes, all eight films in the series are certified fresh, um, have certified fresh ratings. So, um, Adam, I know this series of films and books is near and dear to your heart and Brittany to yours as well. Um, so I'm kind of going to act as the interviewer and, and, and give my thoughts <laughs> here and there whenever I can, but I'm, I'm going to lean on you guys quite a bit. Um, I read a few of the books, you know, I read, definitely read Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows. I think you um, started at Goblet. Yeah, Goblet of Fire is really when I got into these, uh, into this series, when that came out. Okay. It was like, right around the time when we first started dating too, um, and so was that I really also got the into first that one. Watched? It was, it was probably... I think we I might have seen Azkaban, but Goblet of Fire okay. is when I really got into it. Um, and then from there, I just went back and watched the other ones and read a couple of the books and everything. Um, but, you know, I absolutely love the films, but it's surprising to me that we haven't talked about Harry Potter yet. Um, but here we are, and, and now is the time to do it. So um, the time is now. Today we're going to... Time is now. You can't see um, me. Somebody's time, time is up, and our, our time is now. Um <laughs> I've missed that reference, but it's all right. Don't worry about it. John Cena. Yeah. So today we're going to focus on years one through four with the first four films in the franchise. And let's start with the Sorcerer's Stone, which came out in 2001. It grossed $965 million at the box office worldwide and was 81% fresh, according to critics and 82% audience score. Um, so the first question is, was this film successful in launching the Harry Potter series? And no. if so, how? <laughs> Not at all. Failed. Not, it failed. It was it failed. worked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So since you guys are going to be it was only smart with seven me. minutes. I mean, there's there's seven movies after it. So, I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. launched the series. two theme parks. Kept, mm -hmm. Yeah, theme parks. I mean, it kept the core cast for the most part around. Uh which is also difficult to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty yeah. rock solid. I always get mad because Josh always wants to skip Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber. And I'm <laughs> like, no, we cannot I, skip Sorcerer's Stone because it just like, it embodies I, I like, the beautiful magic of Harry Potter. Uh, they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like the first two films and they're good setup for the series, but I, I like when it get, gets a little darker and it gets a little more mature and they start getting a little bit older, like that's when I really start like getting in. I like the meat, um, <laughs> you know, the big Mac. Um, but, but I do appreciate these first two as well. I like the more fresh and lighthearted approach that those two movies have though. Mm -hmm. And I also love, I mean, it, it's hard to work with kid actors like that. And I think that those mm -hmm. two movies did an exceptional job of, you know, bringing out the actor and all of those kids so yeah yeah i think the casting was perfect i think the those you know daniel radcliffe and um emma watson and uh rupert grint is it mm -hmm. um did a phenomenal job as as you know playing those roles and everything um but, i mean not it, even it just did, them yeah. i mean you have malfoy uh you have uh oh neville Neville, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. um, like everyone around them uh, was great in supporting them as well. 
Yeah, they contribute a lot of that to Christopher Columbus. Mm -hmm. If you watch that HBO thing. Yeah, and I think the timing was good here for us to talk about this too because we did recently watch that 20th, 20-year anniversary Mm -hmm. on HBO Max and and it really gets into a lot of um, that stuff and, Mm -hmm. and which was cool. So, yeah, I mean, what about in terms of adapting it from the book to the screen? I never read The Sorcerer's Stone or The Philosopher's Stone, whatever. Um, it's called. Depends on what country. <laughs> yeah, you're in. yeah, the, um, but, yeah. British. It's the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. So, was it a faithful adaptation of the book? Would you say overall? Yeah. I will say the same for this that I'll say with each one of these movies. Uh, yes, because mm-hmm. these movies, well, with the exception of the first couple books, these books are not short kids' books, right? Mm-mm. They're huge, huge. And unless you're going to have getting bigger. Yeah. And if you have, (laughs) unless you want to have like a nine hour movie, there's no possible way that you can, you know, do the things that you can do in a book that you can do on the big screen, just different mediums. So you have to make those changes. You have to make the sacrifices. And as far as I know, JK Rowling was pretty on board with everything there because she's very protective of this stuff. Um, so any changes that happened in these books and to the movie, I'm perfectly fine with. You know, the story still shines through. I know that, you know, roles get changed and some characters don't make it to the films and this other all this other stuff happens. I'm fine with all that because the story still works. So Yeah. I think that's a really important point, Adam, because I, I think if you are a and this is something that I've kind of struggled with because I've been around a lot of book readers where I'm more of a, a movie watcher, you know? Um, and I, I think it's always a tough thing when you have somebody who has read the books first and then they see the movie, the movie's always going to feel a little bit less than the book or maybe a lot less than, um, just because there are things you have to cut and it's two different mediums. Um, so I think it, it is important to keep that in mind that you can never like a hundred percent adapt a a book to a movie you know um there's always going to be those things so when i went in just watching the movies like i thought oh man these are these are terrific these are fantastic and um but there's been times when i've read books and then watched the movie and i'm like oh something feels off about this you know but but it's good to hear that you guys feel that you read the books first and you saw the movies and it it felt like everything everything felt good you know Mm -hmm. know, it was faithful you're always going to see people talking, you know, the, it's not as good as the movie. They didn't do this in the, in the movie. They didn't, it's not as good as the book. They didn't do this or that in the movie. Um, I, I think you just got to have that understanding that that's, that has to be the case, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. Um, so what are your, some of your favorite moments from the Sorcerer's Stone? Um, Adam. Um, honestly, I, I really think it's kind of, you know, the front half of it. I, I think that Harry's discovery of where he's going and kind of this, entering this new world. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the strongest part of the story for me. And, and, and uh, honestly, that's both, that's the same, in both the book and the movie. Um, you know, learning about the world, learning about the villain, learning, going to, to this huge 
hundreds of years old, centuries old castle, you know, that type of stuff. That was always, I think, the most interesting, strongest part of the of the story for me. I agree. But, I definitely agree with that. I think it's just the whole world creation, like whether it's in your mind with the book or like viewing it on the screen it's just always it it makes you like i get all these like weird feelings inside where mm-hmm. i'm like oh my gosh i love mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. now sydney we were talking to sydney about this at dinner and she said her favorite part is the troll in the basement <laughs> or in the dungeon, <laughs> in the, dungeon. the dungeon okay um yeah, for me, um, I'm glad I watched these before reading because I have zero imagination. So I, I I like when when I can see a movie and I don't have to imagine any of it. It's it's right there in front of me. I can see it and then I can go read and then imagine the characters and the castle and the setting and everything. It's already there for me in my brain because I, I'm terrible at like and maybe that's why I don't like reading that much because I'm terrible at like picturing these things um, that are that are happening in the story, you know. Um, so yeah, um, I think one of my favorite parts is actually the whole sorting hat thing where, where he, um, you know, he wants to be in Gryffindor, even, even though the hat's telling him he'd make a good Slytherin student, you know, and, um, ultimately it takes his choice into account and everything. So I I thought that was a really cool, one of my favorite moments actually. Yeah. Um, any negatives about this, this first film in the franchise? It's hard to call it a negative for me, but. Uh, Professor Quirrell is not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of yeah, I, I, quote unquote villain. So, uh huh. He's yeah. very weak as mm-hmm. a villain, yeah. which the th- I think that that was like almost purposeful, though. Yeah, because... I agree. I agree because he was yeah. able to be kind of controlled by Voldemort, you know. Yeah. Um, because he was a kind of a weak. Yeah. Character. That makes sense. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it landed well. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the one of the only issues I have with this film is that it, it kind of does feel a little bit older than the other ones and look a little bit older yeah. than the other ones. It, it doesn't have as much of a, a like a polished look to it. Um, you know, I, I think it was filmed and everything in like '99. You know, so it, for me, there are a few parts where it kind of has that feel where the the CGI maybe isn't quite as good or the, it, with the it, troll, with the troll, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. That's my only complaint though. Um, I feel like it's always hard for me to watch it, even though I love watching it. It's hard for me to watch mm-hmm. it because I know that they're older now. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's like weird. Right. Well, it's hard for me to see them that young. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to chamber of secrets, uh, which came out only a year later in, uh, 2002. And it made eight hundred and seventy-five million, eighty-two percent fresh critic-wise, and eighty percent fresh according to the audience. And um, this film introduced the Dobby character. And so, what were your thoughts when you first saw Dobby compared to how you feel about the character now, um, Brittany? Do you want to take this one first? Every time I watch this, I sit there and I like want to shake Dobby, and I like hate him. <laughs> I hate his role. I hate his role in this movie until the end. And then I'm like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he kind of plays that an- annoying character role. You know, you you know, you have like Jar Jar Binks who did it in Star Wars. You have uh, Gollum, 
in in two towers and everything mm-hmm. where like some of those characters can get a little bit like on your nerves intentionally well yeah i think he elicits the feeling inside of me that he's meant to mm-hmm. yeah right i agree but yeah i wasn't a big fan of the dobby character when i first started watching these but now i like i love that i love the character and everything and especially when you see him later on in the series reappear so i love dobby adam what about you to end <laughs> <laughs> beginning to end yeah. you're a big dobby fan i always love dobby yeah. and he really plays a big role in the story because he's constantly trying to protect harry but the way that he goes about it is always putting yeah, harry I, in more harm yeah, <laughs> so counterproductive yeah. all the time yeah um we also get our first look at a young tom riddle here and, and you you guys prefer this version or the one that's in the half-blood prince i prefer both versions because uh Oh wait! Oh, what do you say? The character, like the actor, the actor that portrays Tom Riddle. Um, yeah. Do you guys have a preference oh, as far as that goes? Oh, 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 um, because the one we get in the flashbacks yeah. in Half Blood Prince, you know, is different, of course. I think I prefer this one. Mm-hmm. The one in Half Blood Prince is like the young, young one, though, right? Well, at the beginning, and it, then it, like later on when he's Slughorn, he's he's probably yeah. the same age as he is in the chamber. Right, right, right. Oh, I see. I, I kind of prefer the first. Movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of prefer Chamber then. I feel like there's a little more life to that one, um, t- to that version of him. You know, in Chamber. Um, yeah, in Chamber. I, I feel like he's, I don't know, a little bit dull in the scenes in Half-Blood Prince when we flash back, you know? Yeah, I feel like this Tom Riddle kind of is more... Do we know what year he was know. supposed to be in in each of those movies? I don't know. I feel like he was probably five, year five or six. Come no, on. wait. He was a prefect in this one, so what... He would have been six or seven year... then, right? Six or seven, yeah, because he has the prefect badge on. Right. When mm-hmm. he, like... But I don't think he had okay. that in Half-Blood Prince, so I think he was probably, like, maybe, like, years two, three, four, somewhere in there. So he was actually younger in the Half-Blood Prince flashbacks. Maybe, yeah. I'm thinking, I could yeah, be, I could be wrong, horn. but that, that, was, that mm-hmm. was the impression that I got, that he wasn't quite that old yet. Let's We'll research that for next week. Yeah. Since he comes up again. And and Britt, I know that um, Chamber of Secrets is actually like one of your least favorite of the series. It's my least favorite. Um, I actually find myself always enjoying this one more than the Sorcerer's Stone. For me, um, there's yeah, there's a I lot like of things I... and Yeah, I'm, I felt like it this, It got a little bit better with the second one. And, and um, you know, there there were things that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the whole, all the stuff with the car. Um, and like when Ron was driving the car and it, the, the car yeah, just like launched the car. them out of, out yeah. of it when they, with the whole, the spider scene, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, I, I like all the stuff with Tom Riddle and the, in the diary. Um, and you know, I really enjoyed the, the showdown at the end and everything. And then, and then even more so when we get the meaning behind that later, it becomes even more meaningful to mm-hmm. being like a Horcrux right. basically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, any uh, 
you guys have any highs or lows as far as this one goes? Or Brittany, any reasons why this one isn't I <laughs> you know, a big yes. favorite of yours? So this one, I, and this is one of the ones where I kind of like Lockhart's character in the, like I reread the books maybe like not last year, but the year before. And in the book, Lockhart is more, I don't know. He's not as silly. Like, I feel like he's so silly in this movie. Yeah, he he's almost like laughable, laughable and yeah. And, and, um, and in the book, he's more like he's still a conniving thief and cheat. But he's more. He's also very full of himself. I, I like. I see where he where yes. they came with that interpretation, and it doesn't really bother yes. me. But I think it tells the proper story still, but it's more annoying. Like he's more annoying in the movie, and I feel like I hate him more in the book, though. Like he elicits the hatred that I feel <laughs> that Harry feels for him. More, you know what I mean. I think I think what's it, what was always interesting to me about this movie is the, the, all the all the ladies are like swooning over this guy, and I'm like, this dude's not even that good looking. <laughs> I'm like trying to He's figure this out. For British people, <laughs> like, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> hopefully, there's some really good. Hopefully, there are British no British people, people listening to this right now. <laughs> I mean, like a in I don't know. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I'm a huge. Huge British person no, you, fan. You are. Like, it's true. Um, Tom Holland all the way. Yeah, so that's <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. This is Adam's favorite. Um, this one didn't make as much money. I'm not sure why that was, but it it, it was released in 2004, um, which is the year we graduated high school. And it made $789 million. It was 90% fresh which is the highest so far, um, 86 audience reviews. Um, many would argue this is the best film in the series. And I know, Adam, you would agree. Um, Brittany, you would disagree. Do you guys want to say, well, you know, why or why not? Why, why, Adam, do you think this one's the best? I think this is the strongest story in the whole series. And for the, the, the two main reasons would be the, um, the serious aspect of it you know the how, how that story kind of turns itself on its end in a way that you weren't really expecting um you know but also just how how important that character becomes to harry throughout the movie is you know just an anchor for him so that's really got a strong emotional anchor uh but then you really start getting into some interesting stuff with what happened to his parents you know with uh um peter pettigrew and all that stuff and how that all connects at the end, you know, with the finger and the rat and all this other stuff. Um, just the way that that story is woven together for me makes it the strongest, you know, of of the whole series. I yeah. can't argue. With I can, that. No, I can't argue with that at all. That's um, the, definitely the best part of that entire. And I, th I think that, that scene towards the end, or what, what are they? What are they? Are they the in the shrieking, shrieking shack? shack um, yeah. And if you just pay attention, not only to all the m different movements that are going on character-wise, and trying to figure out who's on whose side, what are the motives, what is going on here? But not only that, but if you pay attention to the surroundings 
and the shack is like moving and it's just so it's swaying and there's so much detail within that scene um i think it's just it's just a brilliant scene you know first of all yeah my problem i don't know if this is a problem but like the thing that always gets me is like when you get to that point it almost feels like this this movie is over Mm -hmm. but you still have like another 45 minutes of movie yeah yeah which is like crazy to me this one's pretty long i think and um speaking of that Brittany, you know you mentioned kind of that this film introduces time travel into the harry potter universe with the uh is it the time Time turner Turner, Mm -hmm. um so what are your thoughts on the use of time travel in this film um you know as as it is yeah i mean time travel in any film is always going to be sticky you know just because it's such a weird concept uh and how Mm -hmm. it how it works you know so i mean you're seeing throughout the movie things happen. And you're not sure why or what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And it, it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, really when you think about it, it's weird because it's kind of a future Hermione doing this stuff and then going back in the past and changing it. So mm-hmm. it, it makes things a little weird when you think about it too much. Um, you know, so. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> that's what I was telling Brittany. I'm like, if, if you don't think about it too much, it's really it's great. It's fine. Um, it's just like any yeah. other time travel, though. <laughs> it's the same as any other yeah. time travel story, I think. Uh, you always mm-hmm. get into those weird things, but I, I, for what mm-hmm. it is, I think it works fine. I yeah, agree. I agree too, and um, I think it's cool to see all all those things. Like when you know Harry gets like hit in the back of the head and says "ow" when he's in Hagrid's um, hut there, and then and then you see like how that happened later on. It was pretty cool how all those things tied together. And actually, one of my favorite moments in this film is when Harry realizes that it wasn't his dad who was conjuring the Patronus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to step up and do it. And it was actually him who, who did it. And um, I love that moment. I think that's very powerful. So, but again, yeah. like the, what I said before, you know how this ties, like, the, the stuff with, even with his dad and, and Lupin and, you know, how there was all, uh, all of those characters are so connected and he learned so much more mm-hmm. about his, about his dad. Um, that stuff mm-hmm. was just so good. So it was. Yeah, yeah, those are my favorite moments. Are like yeah. when he starts building that relationship with Lupin, and then in turn mm-hmm. finds out that he's not alone. You mm-hmm, know right. that he wasn't truly abandoned. That his family was basically stolen from him in more ways than one. Right. And then it makes me so irritated that. <laughs> He has a chance at having a family, and it gets stolen from him again. Yeah, and that's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a great film. I mean, it, it's it's got a lot of great moments. It's got very very strong character development um, and stuff. You guys were talking about with Harry and learning more about his family and his introduction to Sirius and everything. Um, I also really loved the the season transitions in this mm-hmm. film. Yes, yeah, with the Whomping Willow and everything, some and, of those and like transitions the, in this are just some of those transitions. Yeah, just awesome. Yeah, just fantastic. I think um, that's the Spanish art coming through. In yeah, the, with the right, director. With the director, um, yeah. Was that Alfonso Cuaron, or yeah. is that somebody yeah, else? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or I don't know if that's who it was. Like, don't quote me. I think. You're um, right. I don't. I asked here: Is there anything you could do without in this movie? But I can't really think of anything that, that I, other than the the one negative I have. I really didn't 
night bus scene even though britney loves oh, yeah, it like yeah, yeah. i don't i'm not a big fan of that it's, scene it just i don't know it's weird i i think in the movie it, it, it's it's weird um uh-huh. i don't mind it um but it is I, like it does feel a little weirder to me than i think i was expecting it to after you know having read the novel so mm-hmm. i can I see it's where it's Anne a little off yeah. yeah like it's a little off like i don't hate it or anything it's just if i it's could do bit, without something it would probably be that yeah I mean, I, I I I like it, but I can see mm-hmm. where the movie version is a little bit weird. I mean, between Stan Sean Pike and then you have the driver and the shrunken head and everything. I mean, it, it's it, it's <laughs> I weird. Love that shrunken it's head. weird. Yeah. Why the yeah. long faces? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say about Dementors? Prisoner of Azkaban? The Dementors, yeah, Dementors. are scary. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I, I mentioned how the, the series starts to get a little darker in tone and a little more serious. And that, that, that's kind of my bread and butter. Um, and, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. It was not intended. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, let's, let's talk about year four, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came out in 2005. Um, by the way, they did a tremendous job of really filming and getting these films out in such a short amount of time and be, mm-hmm. being able to ma- make such great and successful films um, and turn them out like that is, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. I mean, you have a seven year story and, you know, usually with movies like a, you're talking like a two, three year break in between movies. But, you know, you have kids and these kids are going to age and very much what Stranger Things did not do. You know, they pulled off here. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so this one came out in 2005. And, and actually, I think this is the first one I saw in the theater. And Adam, actually, I think it was like me, you and um, Stephen Slack, maybe and a couple, okay. maybe a couple other guys. And we were watching um, like the first three, I think even at your house or Slack's house or something like that. Okay. And um, and then we went and saw a Goblet of Fire. And um, okay. that, I believe that is the first one I saw in the theater. Interesting. And that's when I really started falling in love with, with Harry Potter, even though this isn't, it turns out that this isn't one of my f- absolute favorites in the series. This is actually really, um, yeah. Yeah, it really pulled me in, though, to the, right. to the series and everything. Um, so this one made $887 million worldwide, and it was 88% fresh, according to critics, 74 fans. So it's a little, one of the lower ones for, as far as fans go. Um, and this film goes international with the Triwizard Tournament and, um, any, any thoughts on the Triwizard Tournament and because it's such a big part of this story in this movie. I mean, I think it's cool to see like other wizarding schools, but I feel like it's underwhelming and there are questions like, are these people going to classes with them or are they continuing their classes in their ship and or carriage? Are they sleeping in their ship and or carriage? I never thought about that question. Yeah. yeah, Like I think about these logistical things that that are like really weird. Are they eating? I'm assuming they're eating with everybody in the great hall. I don't know, but I not questions I would have thought about, but that's cool. I feel like I would, I wanted more. I wanted yeah. more out of them that I didn't get, mm-hmm. but I thought it was cool. I like the idea of it. I, I some of the execute some of the execution in this movie is strange for me, and that's why I don't particularly love this movie. The entrance yeah. for both schools was kind of awkward. Just you know, the whole choreog- choreographed entrance with 
you know, the staffs and the dancing. I don't know. It was just, mm-hmm. it was, it was, a, it was a little weird. I don't love the ball scene at all. <laughs> um, I mean, in the book, it was okay. In the movie, and just some weird parts of it, I think. So, and I don't know if it's the look of it. I don't know what it is, uh, but it just, I don't know, it feels kind of weird. So, yeah. I However, feel like this is. Oh, go ahead, Adam. I was just gonna say the way this ends is extremely well yeah. done. Extremely yeah, and I think done. that's I think that's what really got me yeah. was was the ending of this. Um, and before we get to the end, we we kind of see in this film too that they're really in these awkward teenage years and start yeah. you know with the whole yeah. dance thing and right. um, starting to date and all that stuff. Um, did the film do well portraying these awkward teen years, or um, what are our thoughts about that? Yeah, I think so. I I think this is where like Ron and Hermione's situation started to get a little lukewarm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like their awkwardness kind of started in Prisoner of Azkaban, but it really blossomed in Goblet of Fly. Yeah. Goblet of Fire? Yeah. Yeah, there were definitely like some awkward like teenage moments. And I think they look they look like the way the characters look, especially the boys, you know, they're 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 in that where'd that go? They're in that age group where you just look weird, you know what I mean? You look (laughs) awkward. You (laughs) everything's awkward, you know. Um, Yeah. And I feel like and before we get to the end of mm-hmm. this one, which I think, or maybe I'll talk about this in the highs and lows. Never mind. Keep going. So anyway, um, <laughs> Adam started hinting at, you know, the, the scene at the end and we, we get the real return of Lord Voldemort here in the mm-hmm. graveyard, um, which I thought was a tremendous scene. Very creepy, very scary, um, you know, and really elevated the danger with the death of Cedric Diggory um, and just, Everything about that scene I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Not even just the, like you said, not even just the graveyard stuff, but the Cedric Diggory stuff. I mean, that was heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How they pulled that off on scene and his dad and all this other stuff. I mean, that's yeah. that was just, you know, gut punch. And so mm-hmm. that was really well done. But then the whole graveyard scene with the return and, you know, the shriveled up version of Voldemort and all this other stuff. That was just all really well done. So it kind of, mm-hmm. uh, it, it kind of balanced out the other parts that I didn't love so much. Yeah. Sure. You know what I wonder? Like, how did he get from Quirrell's head to that, like, infant-esque thing? Yeah, you I mean, know? just, you know, a, a couple years of growth, I guess. <laughs> 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 yeah, the unicorn blood. The unicorn blood. Like, like yeah. The the quarrel thing, I believe that was more like a like a spirit version. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I, th- I I I thought that there was an explanation for that, but I'm drawing a blank on it. But I think there is. I just like, can't I th- remember I think what that, it was. I think that was a more spirit version of Voldemort, and then he's been kind of nursed mm-hmm. back into. You know, having some form of a physical body, even though it's not restored yet, and then the whole spell thing restores it completely. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, highs or lows for this one? Um, 
for me, I mean, uh, the high is definitely the graveyard scene. Um, and there were aspects of the Triwizard Tournament that I thought were cool. I thought it was kind of, it, it made this one feel a little bit different and fresh. Um, just because it had this whole different element to it. Um, but again, the lows were some of just those awkward, like, or weird scenes, awkward years, stuff like that. But. Yeah. I feel like this one is one of them that strayed farthest from the book, to be honest. I mean, there were things within the the tournament that were completely different. Like, the maze itself was not solely a maze. Mm-hmm. Like, I missed the... There was, like, a sphinx lion thing Mm -hmm. within the maze that would give you riddles and i Mm -hmm. just thought those were so fun Mm -hmm. but i don't think that it would have translated well to it would have translated but i don't know that it was necessary i think that's Mm -hmm. one of those things that they had to take a time cut on Mm -hmm. and just yeah but um and there were a couple other things too throughout that that i thought were a bit different um but otherwise that was it. I thought it was good. I like it. It's not at the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, it's it's probably near the bottom. But I still the thing about these this series is I like all of them a lot. You know, I, yeah. um, so even for one that's near the bottom, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Adam, what about you? Any other highs or lows for Goblet of Fire? Yeah, it's it's probably pretty close to the bottom of my list. But it, you know, for the, me, the lowest would be the ball scene. I just really don't like the ball scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then the highest is really the, you know, the Cedric Diggory stuff at the end, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a weird high, I know. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, I know what you're saying that. But I think it's just some of the, like, it, it, it's, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, you know, with these movies, but like, even for this movie, that's the least of my favorite, probably, you know, the Cedric Diggory stuff is some of the best stuff that's done in the whole series, you know, so there's... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you got pros and cons, and I think even the pros in this really outweigh the cons. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree. And um, yeah, so that's those, those are years one through four, and uh, we're gonna come back next week talk about years five through seven. And um, Brittany and I are actually currently watching Order of the Phoenix, or not? Yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna finish that up. Yeah. soon actually so now that the olympics are officially over now we can get back to i can watch something watching, else <laughs> watching movies so um but yeah let's let's get us out of here adam hey doc we better back up we don't have enough road to get up to 88 roads well we're going we don't need roads and i'm actually going to turn this right back over to Brittany so she can tell us about her stuff that she's involved in tell us where you can find uh, all that well, you can find me at the Bosch blog. I've been taking a bit of a hiatus because I've been working a lot, but soon, That's soon okay. we will be back. But <laughs> Facebook, I don't go on Twitter, but I have one. Instagram and the website, theboschblog.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having yes. me, guys. Yeah. You come back Potter's next week? my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, sweet. I'll be here. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 117. Yes, 117. 17, yeah. From a certain point of view, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you, know, you can find us on pretty much all of the major podcast apps. And if you're on one like Apple Podcasts, at least you leave a review. Please do so. 
helps us get out to more and more people, and it helps us to, you know, figure out what you like and what you don't like about the show. We are continuing our watch parties. However, I got an update here for you. We're going to change the time of those for a few weeks. We're going to start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to start watching some Batman stuff in preparation for both The Batman and also Moon Knight. And so we don't have really a, a TV show to watch until Moon Knight comes out, which is end of March. And it's kind of Batman anyway, just Marvel version of it. <laughs> so, so we're going to watch uh, Batman 1989 this coming Thursday at 9.30 p.m. in our Discord server. The link for that is in the show notes, and it's also on our website. Uh, that's facpov.com. Uh, there you'll also find some blog articles that we've written, and you'll also find uh, links to where you can get in touch with us, including our socials, which are Instagram and Twitter. Uh, both are the uh, both of those are at certain POV Pod. Our Facebook page is from a certain point of view. Our email address is certainpovpod at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at 724-901-1783. What did you think about Harry Potter years 1 through 4? We would love to hear it, and we'd love to play it on the show. Uh, So all you got to do is dial 724-901-1783, and we'll play those next week. You can find... uh, We are part of the Red 5 Network, and you can find all of those Red 5 podcasts at red5network.com and also on Twitter at red 5 Network. Uh, like I said, I joined uh, Andrew from Science Fictionary and also Coruscant Radio Underground, and those are both uh, Red 5 Network podcasts, so give those a, a look, and you can check out our Lord of the Rings discussion that happened with uh, DB, uh, Dragon Buddy um, from the Escape Pod, and also uh, Charles from Conversations joined that as well, so a couple other Red 5 Network podcasts there. Uh, so check them all out at red5network.com uh, you can find me on the internet at thegauze85 on twitter and instagram and also still working on kind of like uh, Brittany gearing back up my blog uh, years gone by and that's going to come back on March 1st so that's actually just around the bend so coming up pretty quick Josh just where can they find you? River bend. you can find me on twitter <laughs> at jedijarjar1722 <laughs> just around the river bend <laughs> Um, and that was just a little extra, something extra special for y'all at the end of our show. If you, if you stuck with us the whole way to the end, um, thank you for listening this week. Thank you again to my wife, Brittany, for joining us talking HP and, uh, we will see you next week. Everything we said today was true from a certain point of view.